Hello and welcome to another edition of Bills from a Four a far podcast you're with me tim and my co-host charlie charlie how are you doing yeah, i'm good thank you this is a podcast from afar i'm uh, on holiday this week so recording it from a holiday cottage in devon um so Very if the nice. audio is not quite as normal then you'll know why <laughs> a long way mm-hmm. away on the, not, not my usual set of kit but um yeah still great to be able to uh, talk bills in this upcoming dolphins game which i think um yeah, after having a bye week, it's always you've got you champing at the bit, aren't you, to, to get another game in. It feels not too early this bye, bye week. I wasn't really ready for it. You know, we have many injuries now. It's really into the season. So, yeah, I'm feeling uh, even more desperate to watch some Bills football at uh, this time, 5, 5 p.m. UK time, which is uh, which is pretty exciting. Uh, this it is. It's for, fav- like, it's for best weekend uh, each year of NFL action for us in the UK, just because of 5 p.m. kickoffs for what is usually the 6 p.m. kickoffs. Uh, I'm not too sure why the US have like, their um, daylight saving uh, an hour late, uh, a week later, sorry. But uh, yeah, it's uh, good for us guys in the UK uh, to enjoy that. Definitely the best and favourite weekend. Um, I take it, is Devon's quite rural? You've not come across any other NFL fans or not, not seen any <laughs> one wear anything at all? Or? Funnily enough, I have. I've seen a Bucks have fan you? and I did see a, a, um, a Patriots fan. And did I you say confess- Bucks and Patriots? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that just epitomises um, the UK fan does, base, yeah. doesn't it? <laughs> and I, I do confess that I did give the Patriots fan a small amount of friendly abuse, um, oh. which was unfortunate given it was a teenage girl with a family. <laughs> so oh, okay. Sure she really understood. So I just I just walked up and said, you know, something uh, marginally derogatory about the Patriots and uh her dad looks a bit confused. She looks even more confused. And then he started to explain to her why a Bills fan, that was, of course, wearing my Bills hat, may be less than enamored by a, a Patriots hat. And, uh, yeah, so not entirely proud of myself. But if you're going to wander around with Patriots gear, then, um, you know, I'm going to have to have something to say about that. It's, it's, funny. It it's funny. When we went to the Falcons-Jets game, uh, there was a significant increase in Bucks fans. I wonder why. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, it's <laughs> um, glory hunters jumping yeah. on the bandwagon. Um, but well, fine, I, I don't want them. I don't want them on our bandwagon. They can stick to their own bandwagons, you know. So uh, we, we, I, I want hardcore Bills fans. I don't want these part timers that dip in and out of it, like uh, mm. like some fan bases may uh, may point at. Yeah. That's it. So, yeah, we're here to talk about the Dolphins game. Um, we won't go into a deep dive of a whole roster and because there's not any changes really compared to uh, when we've done the week two preview. Um, so we'll kind of keep it to high level, um, just general thoughts about the game. Obviously more focused about Bills, but I know we're going to talk a bit about Tua and a few other things, the dynamics of the game and... Um, injuries to Dawson Knox, if that will affect the market share of targets, that kind of thing. And if um, the buy and uh, just the loss against the Titans, if that will affect anything, if we'll adjust any player personnel or make any changes, subtle t- changes to the scheme. So that's kind of what we're looking at this uh, for this podcast today. I do find it funny, uh, if I may start, about 
the fact that this weekend not only is it a great weekend because we have uh, a daylight saving but we've got um halloween this weekend and i do find it somewhat ironic that we're playing the dolphins on halloween considering how alan and the bills have owned them for almost four years now like two against us this weekend would be more like for me it'd be like me watching the saw film series like i'm gonna be (laughs) he's gonna be agitated and jump in that pocket it, just like we saw in week two for the seven snaps or however long he was in the game. So it'll be interesting uh, interesting to see uh, if he's been yeah. able to make any improvements. Think, uh, that offensive line of of, um, of the Dolphins are going to feel fairly terrorised after their last few meetings, I'm sure. Playing on Halloween in Buffalo is not uh, not exactly warming their uh, their hearts right now, which is, you know, fingers crossed we have something similar to what, we, uh, what we've seen recently. How much do you remember that week two game? Because um, it was a bit weird, wasn't it? I mean, we'd come off yeah. that Steelers defeat, which was, I think, a surprise to most people. And then it was a very one-sided game, but it was very one-sided because of our defense, not because of yeah. our offense. So even though we had that sort of iconic picture of Josh sat on the sidelines looking pretty grumpy, um, it, was, it was primarily because we, we, we gave them a lot of short fields and it was turnovers plenty. And of course, um, Sue was injured and we had... Um, Every set to deal with. So, yeah, what do you what do you remember that game? Yeah, I think um, exactly what you said there. Like, we caused a lot of turnovers. We created a lot of pressure um, on both Tua and Jacoby Brissett when he came in the game. Um, the short fields, um, we didn't capitalise on those. I remember the red zone efficiency wasn't there. Um, I think we only scored a couple of touchdowns touchdowns on those turnovers um but we, we had to settle for a lot of you know short field goals uh, Tyler Bass is really good at that but if you get that short field you fully expect especially with this offense and with Josh Allen needing it to get touchdowns so that's been a theme of the whole season really like just uh red zone efficiency like it's great that we're creating these turnovers and we're applying a lot of pressure on these types of teams like I don't expect anything different to um the Dolphins, like we've seen a couple of really good games actually from Tua, although he still made a few uh, head-scratching decisions. But we accept the same game script ultimately. It's going to go the same way. Um, and yeah, like just going back to the last game, yeah, that, that's all I can really remember was just being utter dominance, um, you know, on defence, create a lot of turnovers, put a lot of pressure on Tua, uh, but not really being able to capitalise and feeling somewhat disappointed in a way it can't ever really be disappointed at 35-0 win but just on offense like after the first week it's Steelers and just how Josh was forcing it we didn't see uh, what we have seen from Josh in the uh, other games this season like in terms of just being back to MVP caliber performance I think that yeah we, we know how Josh has reacted after losses especially uh, before the boys that you think of the Cardinals game and how that just reinvigorated a team and you know set the hair on fire almost like they were just playing with such a chip on their shoulders all the way through including the playoffs really so I expect that type of reaction I expect um, us to be uh, not satisfied and really take it to this Dolphins team who are clearly lacking confidence uh, on both sides of the ball um, so yeah, yeah, that's what I'm expecting. Yeah, I think it's going to be um, a horror show, honestly, for, for the Dolphins. 
Uh, the offensive line is terrible. I think gave up more than 20 pressures to the Jags, <laughs> which is incredible. Um, we saw that Rousseau had his way um, with their um, with their right tackle Jesse Davis last time. He's still playing right tackle. I think the left tackle thing has changed. Yeah, they've had a few changes. They've put Austin Jackson. They've moved him inside. Um, so I think right. yeah, Jesse Davis is on the left hand side, uh, left tackle. With Eichenberg. Yeah, I think Eichenberg has been brought into the uh, right tackle spot, which is where uh, no, he didn't. He played left tackle in college, um, but he, he, he's uh, pretty dependent upon both sides, uh, better in pass yeah. pro. So that made sense for them. But just get Epinesa on that side because we know you know he's had three weeks like fresh effectively. You know he's made it inactive against the Titans, which a lot of us were surprised about. You know he's three weeks fresh. Just get him on Austin Jackson. We know how he struggled against him not only in the NFL but in college. Uh, Epinesa's had his way against him. So um, if he yeah. maybe play Epinesa maybe inside a little bit because he's moved to inside a little bit or just yeah, yeah create some inside yeah. moves to allow him to get onto Jackson. Uh, keep him on the right-hand side. Maybe Rousseau's predominantly uh, rushes off the left. So that's what I'd expect. So regardless yeah. of Jackson being on the inside, I can see. And then that would hopefully free up Ed Oliver and Starr again to cause some mayhem through the middle. Yeah. Um, hopefully. And it, yeah. What I think is interesting is that, that this secondary is, is uh, well, so firstly, I think that the this Miami offense is not great. And there's mm-hmm. several different reasons for that. I mean, firstly, we've all seen Tua, enough of Tua now to know that he doesn't have the big arm. Um, he's not going to hit you down the field. Um, and that enables us to probably push one of our, bring our, one of our safeties a little bit closer to the line. They are, uh, their offensive line is absolutely woeful. And then they're also short on offensive weapons. So um, if you look at their, uh, their starting wide receiver uh, core, their sort of skill positions, it's a bit of an interesting situation. So they've got um, uh, Parker and Fuller are both out. Yeah. Really only lives in with, with Gusecki, who we know has done some damage against us in the past. And Jalen Wadley, who I rate and I think is good. Yeah. But they only most, they mostly use him you know, in these short yardage passing situations. They don't really use his speed down, down the field. So I think we absolutely go at them. I expect to see lots of stunts. Um, I expect to see probably Jordan Poyer up, up on the line um, sometimes as well. I think this won't be a um, this won't be a passive uh, you know de- defense as a way you can have to make a mistake. I think they'll really attack to her. You know, obviously he got injured in the first game, and I think that's going to be in his head. He's a bit timid at the best of times. What I will say though is I don't think two is the major problem. I, I think that he's a little bit better than the one that Bill Sands give him credit for. However, he is limited, and that's what that was what we've seen. So I think they'll really go at to uh, I think they'll go at this uh, this offensive line. I think they'll. Um, probably use Matt Milano to try and cover Mike Kaziki. And um, yeah, I think it, it should be a really good day for our defense again. But what I'm hoping for is that our offense shines, which it, it didn't to its fullest extent in that first game. Uh, because they've also got some problems with cornerback. Um, I think that uh, it's fair to say that, you know, that's where they, they spend their money. That's where they're sort of on paper, their strength is. But those two cornerbacks have just not been playing well at all. Um, I, I think our wide receivers could have a field day against Byron Jones and Xavier Howard, who just not looked looked great um, at all. So it's pretty pretty impressive. They've also got weaknesses at linebacker. Um, although we don't have Dawson Knox, 
I'm wondering whether that's maybe an opportunity for someone like Gabriel Davis to get a few more receptions to attack the seam, that center of the field, a bigger bodied guy, go up against the sort of not great linebacker crew. Maybe we'll see Tommy Sweeney get, get involved. It'll be interesting to see to what extent he's used in the same way that we've been using um, Dawson Knox. But you know, everywhere you look across this, um, this, this matchup, it feels like a build of strength, um, which, is, which is insane. And I don't see anything else other than a, a build's dominant victory. If I can just go back to um, Gesicki, you, you mentioned he's been playing really well the last couple of weeks. He had a bit of a slow start, but that's probably just because of the um, quarterback carousel that they had because of uh, the injury yeah. Tua suffered. But he's played really well. Uh, he played really well against the Jags in London, and then he had a really good performance uh, against the Falcons last week. He's just always open in the middle of the field. like um, He's like Tua's uh, safety blanket. He is a very um, smart, intelligent route runner. And he's got, he's really good in contested um, areas. Like he's able to make some really difficult catches uh, and he's played really well, usually against us in the last few years. Uh, he was kept quiet in week two, but um, he scares me. He's got big playability, but if you nullify him, uh, you know, Matt Milano, as you suggested, and then Jalen Waddles, their only other real threat, in this offense, uh, for my money, uh, he's played yeah. um, really short off the stick stuff. You know, a lot of RPOs uh, off the line. Just they're trying to lock, create a lot of um, run after catch. You, they don't trust his arm, do they? They don't no. trust two with arm. They don't, they don't trust the offensive line to buy two or enough time mm. to hit for them to get for him to get them down the line. So they're doing a lot of stuff just to get him involved. And I think that that makes yeah. it very predictable in terms of a, an offense to defend against. Well, this is the thing with Tua. We know when he was coming out of college that he was somewhat of a system quarterback and he excelled in the play action um, areas of the field. He's coming off his best two-game stretch in his short NFL career, which is a not a high bar, clearly, but um, and, and he threw one of the worst interceptions you'll see this season against the Falcons. He just you know, got pressured and tried to dump it off to Gaskin, I think it was, and it was just way off base for a short pass. But he's really efficient in the play action. Like against the Falcons, he was 13 of 15 uh, on passing. Um, but the thing is with play action, what you need to have an efficient op- offense is a run game. And they just don't have that. And Gaskin, no. um, you know, both their running backs, Ahmed, Gaskin, Malcolm Brown's out. He's on IR, but he wouldn't worry us anyway. But they're just so limited, like in terms of quality. They're not creating any holes in the running game. So if you if if you've got no running game and you're playing a lot of play action, you, you just know it's going to be a fake. You know, you've just got to go yeah. all out that it's going to be a pass, and that's just going to help our defense so much. But just purely, I was watching the <laughs> I was watching the Fal- uh, Falcons Dolphins game, uh, the condensed uh, game in forty on Game Pass. I'll, like, I'll admit that I only watched the first half. I actually fell asleep because that game was so turgid. Uh, in the first half, I fell asleep and had to watch the second half the next day. But I just found that I was watching t- Tua, and this is purely subjective. I've got no... I couldn't find a metric for this stat, although I know it exists somewhere. But when I was watching Tua, one word that comes to my head is laboured. Like, he yeah. must have... If he's not the slowest... He's one of the slowest in terms of from point of snap uh, to completing his drop back Game in the NFL. Out. It's yeah. just so laboured. It takes him such a long time just to get set. And last week, 
There was yeah. one play that he hadn't actually finished his drop back and he got sacked. So obviously that highlights also the poor blocking that he's getting from, from his offensive line. But still, I just find him so laboured. And obviously it's the same when he hands off to his running backs. There's just no urgency there. And I feel like when I'm watching him, it's like he's still operating uh, in the Alabama offense you know he's got superior blocking weapons uh, sorry blocking Mm -hmm. and he's got weapons that can get open quickly he's not got that luxury with uh, with the dolphins so i've not observed this uh, well not make any notes in this but i was wondering to what extent he plays and shot a shotgun all over center did did you get a sense that is he mostly playing on the center and and then and then you know sort of five-step dropbacks what's what's he what's his sort of standard um mode of operation yeah, that's it. He's just um, have a line of scrimmage and get you know get yeah. a handoff straight away. Um, so um, yeah. yeah, and then he has to drop back. They're not actually um, you know he's not just standing back there and getting the snap. He's have, have, have a line getting it from the centre. So um, I think he's in trouble, and I think that you know his head's not right either. We saw all all of them coming out this yeah. well. The question in the press conference was, "Do you feel wanted?" And he said, "I don't." Not feel, not feel, it's not a ringing endorsement, is it? I, I do feel a little bit sorry for him. I think he's a <laughs> guy, you know, he's, an he's, a nice, he's a nice lad, but he looks horribly out of his depth. He doesn't look like he's got the backup and the support he needs, and it's a very limited offense, um, uh, unfortunately. Yeah. And I think, um, it's there for the taking, really. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to sort of say too much more about it. I feel like the build is stronger everywhere on the field. Yeah, I completely agree. Like the Dolphins front office have so far failed with giving Tua what he needs to succeed at this level. They've had no continuity with their coordinators, um, mm-hmm. quarterbacks coach, the offensive coordinators. Uh, Chang Gailey left after a season. Uh, the scheme isn't set up uh, well for him. Uh, uh, poor drafting, especially on the O line. They've had a lot of high draft picks, like day one, day two picks. Um, they none of those have hit. They're not being able to develop those guys. Training up for Waddle, and especially this is more of a future um, look. But you know, you trading their first round pick uh, to the Eagles rather than the 49ers. They they counted on the fact that they were going to be better than the 49ers, and that's failed so far. Although the 49ers aren't looking good either, but um, I expect the 49ers will eventually, you know, when we get to the end of the season, they'll have a better record and therefore um, they could have got a better, better um, used uh, less of their assets. Um, mm. And I think it's just compounded by the persistent Watson rumours. As you said, they're not, you know, committal to Tua. It's eroding any relationship that they've got from him. It's just progressively getting worse and worse, it feels like. And if you take out the yeah. divisional rival component out of this, like, and consider, as you said, like, Tua as a, a quarterback and a, as a person, like, as you said, I feel pretty sorry for the guy, like, you know, because he doesn't deserve to be in that situation. When you think of Josh, he didn't come into a great situation to start with. Um, with with the lack of weapons and the lack of protection on the O line, but you just think of what Brandon Bean and the front office done uh, in that first off, well, after his first season in that off season, just bring John Brown and Cole Beasley. How many offensive linemen did we Rebuild sign? The line. There was about oh, eight of them, loads. I think. You know, Feliciano, <laughs> yeah, Spain. There's there's loads of Mitch Morse. Clearly, yeah, um, yeah we just complete Fine wholesale changes to try yeah. and mm-hmm. support and help uh, Josh. And they're just, yeah. If I was a Dolphins, I think fan, 
Oh. Yeah, there's something not right in that, in that organization. And I think the, the NFL is so hard. It's so hard to win games. You've got to have everything in really good shape to, to consistently win. And yeah. it is incredible to me. This was a 10-win team last season and um, gone backwards um, with all those draft picks. Um, with a you know a bit more you know good off season than the Toa's belt. I don't know what the they're doing with these offensive coordinators having two, you know, they just look a mess. And um, yeah. I'll be astonished if the Bills don't take a heavy advantage of that. Yeah. What are you well, what are you sort of predicting in terms of score for the game? I mean, it feels like you could just almost pick any number out of the air. Do you think this is a fifty burger game or a forty burger game? <laughs> a... I don't know. I think that we'll establish a lead quickly and then I think we'll sit on it in the second half. Uh, mm. I think that, yeah, I think you'll be closer than people expect. I don't think, well, I'm pretty sure that, you know, we're not going to hold them to an egg again. You know, they're going to score points no, against no, us. No, um, they've got to, they can only get only ways up with um, how they played against us in week two. Um so I think it'll be close. I don't think it'll be a complete blowout um, at the end Maybe of the game when you look close. at it. But I think it will be dominant at the start. So it might be, they might get like a touchdown or two in garbage time. Uh, it might be something like, I don't know, I haven't actually thought about a prediction, but just off the top of my head, like 38 20, something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Something like that. I think total points of 48 and a half. Uh, if we put 35 on them without our offense really working uh, and they scored nothing, it, it's, it's, a, it's a 13 and a half point game in favor of the Bills, so two touchdown game effectively. Mm. Um, it doesn't imply they're going to be getting too much. I put down 41 16 because uh, yeah. I think the, the offense is so much better than what it was. Um, so we're not too far away from we played really, are we? No, no, not at all. Gap. I, yeah, so I think I've already put placed a bet that we'll cover the spread. Uh, that I was thinking that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the only thing I'll say is that our red zone offense, as everybody knows, everybody's been talking about, has not been great, and that makes me think that this will be the thing that they would have worked on heavily over this uh, over this bye week. So mm-hmm. I'm expecting that red zone offense to uh, to come out firing. I'd be interested to see what weapons we use, but maybe um, especially with with Knox not playing you know, he's been actually one of our better red zone weapons I, I think we might see a bit of gabriel davis um and i'll be, I'll be very interested to see what the over under is on his receptions because he's only really been getting maybe one one a game if that sets about one and a half i'll be i'll be hitting the over very very high i think um because he's he's a bigger bodied guy um you know he removed a weapon i think Tommy Sweeney is not the receiver that Dawson Knox has become, um, which means that I think they've got to use someone else. And I think they'll have to use Gabriel Davis. Maybe we'll see a bit of touchdown Jesus, a bit of Jake Kumaro, you never know. Mm. Um, and then again, some more of that red zone, bigger body weapon. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do to, re- to replace and cover for Knox. But um, yeah. I have to think that this is going to be a, a fired up team two weeks after a bye against the team they know they can dominate. Yeah, I do agree. I think one of the, I don't know, lower. Um, like players on our roster will score a touchdown. I don't know if that will be Akumaro or uh, I won't say Tommy Sweeney because he's tight in one now whilst Knox is out. But even <laughs> there, it could be a chance of Spencer Brown, you know, they make a, one of the tackles eligible for a play and well, he's, they somehow I'm not sure he's find a play. way. 
I don't think uh, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, maybe Dion Dawkins, and he's done it a couple of times, hasn't he? So, well, I was keeping a keen eye on the uh, practice report, and he didn't train again today. Yeah. So I think yeah. if he's he, he's too well, he's all week not known practice now. It's a back injury. Those are always not great if you're a really big guy like Spencer Brown. But I don't think he'll play. I think we might see Cody Ford come back in and uh, and Darrell Williams push out back out to uh, to right tackle. How many chances are we going to give Cody Ford? Like, I do feel somewhat sorry for the guy because, as you say, he's moving around all the time. But I don't know. I just want just him feels... to get a run of six to eight games in one spot. That's what I want to see. I'm just not sure. You, it's not good for his confidence. You know, I think offensive line is a heavy confidence thing. Just maybe this is the run that you need. Maybe this will be when we see him because we've got some weaker opposition coming up. Just get him a run in one position and see how he does. You know, he's not played consecutively in the same no. position on that line well, for more than a handful of games at any point. I know he's not played great, mm. but it's not like we've never seen anything from him. He played really well against um, Denver last last uh, year, um, against Mon Miller, and I, I was pretty concerned about that. He's, there is something there. It feels like a waste just to throw away a second-round pick if we just give up on him now. I don't know. I, you know Sean McDermott more, <laughs> knows more than I'll ever know about, about football. I just feel like... I want to see him proven or disproven properly without any excuses. And, and the excuse has always been, well, you could keep moving around. Yeah. Three different places on that line. I don't think that's, uh, that's helpful for his development. I just feel for whatever reason, they just don't trust the guy. Like they seem to, yeah. just say, moving him around, they keep bringing him in and out of the lineup. At the end of the day, if you don't trust him, and if it was like, Blocker that came in and Feliciano switched or something and Cody Ford was still left out for Sunday, then, you know, it's not looking good. Um, that, as I mean, I said, that, if that's the choice, yeah. then I think he's done. Yeah. And yeah. let's face it, they see him every day in practice. We don't. We only see him in games. Mm. But, but I find if, it funny bring because in Bottrow, ahead of him then. everyone's talked about um, how much better he'd be on the inside and I think back to his rookie season he had a couple of good games once again the Cowboys and then Broncos I think we've played him two two seasons in a row before this one um, and I remember him against Von Miller and he kept him really quiet that game I was really impressed yeah, yeah. by him but he, he's kicked inside there. and there's been no games yeah. for my in my mind that have really no. stood out when he's been playing on the inside you know so um, I think though that weird one. on the inside is the communication the consistency is so much more important than the center you know um, yeah. with a tackle a tackle you've got to you've got to cover wherever the um, uh, wherever the address is going whereas the three in the middle working a bit more as a team, um, you know, with my sort of amateur eye. And I think that um, having people swapping it out, sometimes it can just be a communications issue. And, and what you need is consistency. You need to know what your, your colleagues' strengths and weaknesses are, what you're going to need to cover, what you, where you perhaps need to step in, <clears throat> or when they need to cover you. But I don't know. Um, as I said, just an amateur eye. But I think if, if Brooke has the choice and um, Feliciano switches around, then I think that's done really uh, I don't see a way back for him I think when we get lost season and we look at the draft I wouldn't be surprised if uh, interior O-line is how everyone you know was clamoring for CB2 you know I think there'll be a lot of people you know if we're not able to do too much in free agency um, you know it's a clear weakness of the team and you know that that's what you know means that we don't achieve what we wanted to this season I can just see a lot of people yeah. going oh we need to draft I don't know two two guys on it in the first three rounds kind of thing. And that'll be interesting yeah. to see what happens moving forward. But 
yeah so i was just going to make a point i don't know where you wanted to go next but we were talking about the dolphins specifically on offense i was going to make a point about the defense just to kind of finish off that portion then we can get back on the bills Mm -hmm. um so in week two preview, I said about how Flores has done such a fantastic job with this defense, and it's arguably like the best coach defense. Like, get the most out of their players. You look at their players, and they're all kind of subpar players. However, it's been a complete opposite in the first uh, seven games of the season. They've been so poor. They've given up the most yards in the NFL, second worst points against. Um, as well, so three points off Washington football team, which was is a really surprising defense as well. We all thought they'd play better. Second worst with the amount of first downs given up, and they're no longer achieving this. They had that twenty six game run of getting t- one turnover, at least one turnover a game, but that ended against the Bucks in Week Five. Um, I think across the port, board, they've been really poor, and they're not getting any pressure on the upper opposing quarterbacks. They've had injuries as well in the secondary. We said uh, Saving Howard returned against the Falcons, but I think Byron Jones is still out and I'm not too sure if he'll play against us. So if he's out, I think Sanders will have a really big game actually, um, mm. just because I expect Howard to be covering digs most of the game. And is yeah. it, um, it, it, I'm going to really it, butcher on, his name. On That's the one. It, yeah. No, it, it, on it, uh, yeah, there we go. We, we got there in the end. <laughs> I don't know if he'll be the CB2 or Nick Needham. He, I think he's been playing quite a lot of a slot, but um, he, he's played against us on the outside uh, in previous seasons. He's been, he's a very poor player, to be honest. So I'd, I'd be quite happy with that. Um, but yeah I, yeah, I think we'll feast, especially in the middle of the field. Um, I think that they'll probably sit back quite deep and uh, there'll be a lot of space in the middle of the field. You know, it's a shame Knox is unavailable. It'll be interesting to see how they use Sweeney. I don't think... He might get a couple of targets in the game, but I don't yeah, expect anything. No, no. no. He, he's yeah, a limited think... athlete and he's what he is, isn't he? He's nothing, you know, remarkable. Yeah. He's a solid I think they'll spell him around. Their, their cornerback depth is not great, as we talked about. And, the, and the, the players that are good on paper have not been playing well as a unit. I think they'll spread them out. And I think we'll see the ball pretty evenly distributed. And I expect David Cable Davis to get, you know, maybe a couple more targets than um, he has been doing. Um, just just to sort of fill in that Dawson Knox role, um, take take a couple of those off him. So, um, yeah, it should be, should be fascinating and hopefully a lot of fun. Yeah. Do you have any other talking points uh, or should we get to the so. bets? I think, I think, yeah, I think we've talked about everything on my list. Yeah. Um, you know, I, you can never take any NFL team for granted, um, but I just don't see where they have the weapons to really cause a lot of problems. So yeah, my bets so far, uh, well, I, I've got two that I've kind of placed and a couple of others I'm going to keep an eye on. So the first one is that um, I bet the Bills cover the spread. Beat that. Um, beat them by two touchdowns or more. Um, I also put them to win the first quarter by more than three and a half points. I feel like uh, the Bills seem to start off pretty strong um, in most games and have been pretty successful that bet um, for them to um, you know, go hit the over on the first quarter uh, points differential. Um, the ones that aren't yet released are number of receptions on Gabe Davis, if that's sort of about one and a half-ish. I'll certainly be taking the over. I'd expect him to get maybe three, maybe four this this game. And I'm also going to take a look at um, Dixon Sanders receptions for all those same reasons that you talked about. So I'll probably yeah. pick one of those. The only other one that I'm sort of wondering on, because the, the Dolphins do tend to blitz a fair bit. Um, that's sort of, sort of their 
their um, uh, their reason for existence is I might take a look at, at Moss in the passing game just to see what kind of reception numbers he's getting listed on because I could see them maybe getting a couple of screens. Uh, I think Moss has performed really well in the passing game um, from what we've seen. Um, so I think he could be a good out target out in space um, as the uh, the weapon to counter the uh, to counter blitz. But yeah, we'll, we'll we'll list them on Twitter once we've uh, made our final picks probably on Sunday. Yeah. What about you? What have you got on your bets? Um, I am going to be keeping an eye on, as you said, like the, the receptions and possibly even yards, lines for the receivers. I, as I said, I think Sanders will have a big game, so I'll be looking at his direction uh, specifically for those. I think, yeah, I really like the spread bet as well, actually. Um, I just think that a couple of touchdowns, I don't think based on where both teams are, that's too, you know, that isn't disrespectful. It's not like, although we did <laughs> beat Texans by 40 points, I just couldn't touch that. I think it was like an 18 point line or something like that. I just felt like, yeah, it's crazy. That was, yeah, it's just too much risk there. But I feel like with this Dolphins team, uh, if the line's at 12, that's something that I'll be looking at as well. It's funny, isn't it? Like, I think when we've talked in, in previous seasons, you know, this first quarter handicap that you've bet on uh, is a really new one that we've started to look at. And we know how hot the bills start. So I like that one personally, but I think I might stay away from that just because you've already said it. So um, maybe points as well, depending on where the lines are. Uh, the markets, when I looked earlier, they weren't available at the time. Maybe um, running backs, uh rushing yardage just because if we expect us to be you know in full command after the first half and have, have a big lead yeah. we're going to run the ball a bit more I'd expect maybe a bit more singletary because he's seemingly RB2 just because you know he's getting slightly less of a snap so yeah. I think that they might you know hold Moss back a little bit so maybe it'll be singletary's uh, chance to shine so, so tidy up the game at the end yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and it's just a value thing like I think the difference in terms of the lines for Singletary Moss against the Titans was about um, 12 or something along those lines so as I said it is by a running back by committee I don't think there's really officially an RB1 or 2 um, although we see one of them getting a little bit more of the snaps but you know Singletary if he comes into the game uh, at the start of a game and he has a couple of good runs well he had a really good game against the Dolphins didn't he so it, it could easily happen again that he has a big run and that inflates his numbers as well so I'll be looking at Singletary so yeah there's quite a bit of, of, of a mix there and we'll put out our summary on Sunday ahead of a game so five yeah. o'clock I can't wait it's uh, going to be a good one and that means that we can watch all of the uh, what would usually be the 9pm slate as well. So like right. late Absolutely. afternoon games. Um, I can't remember what the prime time game is for Sunday night football. Um, is that the, is it the Vikings? Who have the Vikings got? I feel like it's them. Um, but yeah, yeah I don't sure. know if I'll necessarily stay up for that because that'll be at midnight. But yeah, <laughs> I'll at least stay up for the late slate as well. So it'll be good. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, yeah, thanks for joining us again this week. Um, we are part of the UK Bills Network and we are only one, well, just over one week away from our big UK Bills meetup at the uh, Moortown Bell in London. So if you are within uh, within travelling distance, please do come down. We've got people coming from all over 
the UK to, to join us. Um, it's always a good crowd when we go to the Fitzrovia Bell, but this time we're going to be at the Moortown Bell. It's a little bit bigger for us, for, uh, for the group of, that we're, we're hoping to, to pull together. Um, if you don't need any tips, tricks, you know, getting in around London where the pub is, you know, if you want any tips on accommodation, uh, we've got a few uh, different hotels that are pretty reasonably priced if you need, uh, just get in touch uh, and let us know. Um, also check out the recent interview uh, by Matt and Alex uh, with, with Aaron Williams on the Red, White and Buffalo Blues podcast. Really, really interesting observations from, uh, from Aaron. I, I thought he has shared some really good stuff, uh, especially about you know, coming to Buffalo, what it meant to come to Buffalo, you know, at a time when he was sort of a real Texas guy and uh, felt like he was going to take him a little bit of time to get used to the place and how much, and what affection he has for the place, having, uh, having lived there, very sort of consistent with a lot of other uh, ex-Bills players who perhaps um, don't see Buffalo as a sort of glamour location. So yeah, lots of really good stuff in there. I highly recommend you listen to it. I think Aaron comes across really well as a really engaging guy and uh, yeah, gets well into the uh, Cockney Running Slam competition as well towards the end of that podcast. So that's well worth a listen. Um, you can email us if you want. We are the uh, Bills from Afar pod. Um, so Bills from Afar at gmail.com if you want to get to us on email or if you want to us on Twitter. You can uh, connect with us individually. I am Charlie underscore sport. He is Tim Rose 90. Or we are built from afar on Twitter as a whole. So, yeah, until uh, next week and hopefully celebrating another uh, victory. Uh, go Bills. Go Bills.